For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line. Andrew McLean hanging out with you, trying my best to fight the sickness that is creeping up on me. It's creeping up on me. And I've been fighting it with um, with this elderberry juice that my aunt makes. And it's worked. It's worked. Uh, whenever I, I feel like I'm getting sick, I get my hands on some of that stuff, take it, and then uh, I seem to never actually get sick. But then, you know, a week or two later, it starts to come back. And then I'm back in the fight for my life. There's literally a plane flying overhead right now. I don't know if y'all can hear that. I assume that's what that is. It is uh, January 30th. Tuesday, Wednesday. What is today? It's today, Wednesday. Wednesday, January 30th. On a very, very cold Wednesday. I would dare say it's colder today than it was yesterday when we expected all the snow. Um, and if you go to DrudgeReport.com this morning... The front page, the main article says, Chicago's deepest freeze, coldest in a lifetime, the Midwest feels like 75 below zero. Can you imagine? 75, 75 below zero? That doesn't even, that seems like a, a movie. I don't even know that that's, possible that that's real 75 below zero that's dangerous that's life-threatening 
And and you think about it, I mean, obviously it would be dangerous to go outside in those kind of temperatures. Like, how would you survive uh, something like that? That's instant frostbite. That's like the the temperature of, of dry ice or something. I don't know. I don't know what temperature dry ice is, but I know that stuff, if you touch it, it'll mess you up. Um, but, yeah, you can stay inside in those kind of temperatures, but, like, what if something happens? What if, I mean, you've got an outside unit or your heater goes out or whatever, and then you're, like, trapped. What are you going to do? You ain't going to call the... Uh, freedom ac guys that are on the radio you know the one with the sh the the real weird show those guys ain't going to come out there and fix your fix your uh your unit in 75 below weather not gonna do it i'm telling you no matter how much glenn tells you they will they're not going to do it not in those conditions um plenty to talk about today i really didn't do any show prep for this show because um because I felt like crap this morning, but uh, we're just gonna we're gonna wing it and do what we can. I'm just gonna kind of breeze through the headlines and just give you my thoughts off the top of my head. Uh, first off, uh, we talked about it on the last podcast, uh, the the new book, which has been making headlines uh, uh, across the way. Uh, Cliff Sims, who I'm looking at right now with a big smirk on his face, standing in the MSNBC studios. He is about to uh, go live with one Hallie Jackson, who has this this time slot, this this nine to ten time slot. Um, I'm probably not supposed to do this, but I don't know who's going to stop me. I may bring you a little bit of that live as it happens. It's funny because nobody else will be allowed to do it, but I'm a I'm a rebel, so. And worst case scenario, they just pull this podcast down and nobody ever gets to hear it. <laughs> and it'll be worth it. Uh, so as soon as this commercial break, I'm watching it now. As soon as that commercial breaks over, I may bring that stuff to you. Um, I've been listening to the book. You know, my as I talked about yesterday, my girlfriend bought me or, well, she didn't buy it because she didn't want to contribute to the cause either. We happen to have some audible credits so we use those to get the book, and I've been listening to it, and I'm about three or four chapters in, and <laughs> there's been some serious, serious concerns raised as I have, uh, I've, I've listened to this thing, and, and I've talked to people that are in the know about certain things that he's talking about that are blatant lies. So I'm three chapters in, and we've already got blatant lies uh, in this book. Because in the beginning, a lot of it surrounds his time at, at 101, his time as owner of Yellowhammer, uh, his time and his role in the Robert Bentley scandal and what he did. And a lot of that's, un some of that's untrue. And you kind of wonder, like, he knows the people that also know about that situation. They're going to know that that's not true when they read the book. So what is he thinking, putting that stuff in there? He knows he's going to get busted. Why? Why put it in there? But when you've uh, when you've got stars in your eyes and and a a seven figure deal right in front of you, you don't necessarily think rationally most of the time. 
We're also going to have Jeff Poor on the show coming up at uh, 9.30, 9.35, sometime in that area. I guess I need to text him and make sure that he doesn't call too early now that the Cliff Sims thing's going on. Uh, Donald Trump also been tweeting uh, a lot this morning, and, and one of the big headlines surrounding Donald Trump is the disagreement he apparently has with his intelligence agency over several issues pertaining to North Korea, pertaining to Iran, pertaining to Russia, pertaining to North Korea. Did I already say North Korea? Uh, several things. And I, I, I want to kind of break that down, too, because the mainstream media will paint Donald Trump as crazy if he questions anyone in the Justice Department. Even though the Justice Department and, and even our intelligence agencies have shown us that they've got some major faults. And they've got some major, major bad guys within uh, those departments. But yet, for Donald Trump to question them, he's obviously just obstructing, um, you know, America being able to, to, to keep themselves safe. That's coming from the media. Let's move back over to um, NBC, Holly Jackson. Bring it on Cliff Sims. This is live right now. Keep that in mind. Uh, MSNBC right now, Thursday, uh, Tuesday, January 30th, 2019. Here we go. He to be an insider when, in fact, he was nothing more than a gopher. You helped uh, him come up with the enemies list. Why well, do you regret that? Number one, I had you at number two on the list. <laughs> So that's how it's been going this week for Cliff Sims, who used to work at the White House and is promoting his new book all about that time, Team of Vipers, it's called, My 500 Extraordinary Days in the Trump White House. Sims says he wants to pull back the curtain, and he's painting a picture of behind-the-scenes chaos, controversy, political backstabbing. Sims is the latest former staffer to join the Trump Book Club, as we call it. That includes Amorosa, Sean Spicer, Corey Lewandowski, among others. Cliff Sims served as director of White House Message Strategy and is joining me live now from our studios at 30 Rock in New York. Hey, Cliff, thank you for coming on the show. Of course, Hallie. Thanks for having me. So let me start with just some news of the day here. The Trump campaign has now threatened to sue you. Let me just get you on the record. Have you been served with a lawsuit yet or not? I haven't. haven't got anything. Saw some tweets, but that's about it as of this, uh, this point. Do you have a legal team? Oh, of course. I mean... Yeah, I have, I have attorneys that something like that happened, we would be uh, ready for that, but just hadn't seen anything yet. Do you expect to be sued? I don't know what to expect. I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. The campaign says you violated an NDA. Did you sign a non-disclosure agreement or not? Well, I assume I signed whatever Corey Lewandowski and Dave Bossie signed on the campaign. I assume I signed whatever Sean Spicer did coming into the White House. But to be honest, I don't remember. I remember a mountain of paperwork, a lot of stuff to get on boarded. I remember signing a bunch of stuff, but not sure exactly what was in there. Okay, so you don't remember, but if you don't remember that, how are people more broadly supposed to trust what you write about in this book, which is based on your memory? Sure, well, a lot of it is based on uh, the notes I took as, as part of my job and, uh, you know, first-hand accounts of what it was like in the room. I think there's a pretty big difference between, you know, moments that you spend with the President of the United States and other people there in the White House in the West Wing and this just amazing uh, opportunity and experience versus, you know, a mountain of paperwork that you're just signing willy-nilly trying to get started on your job. So I think a pretty me, big difference there. Well, 
Well, let me ask you about this New Yorker article, which came out overnight, um, and it, it its headline is is that you you talk about how you're proud to work for Donald Trump. You don't think he's a racist. You mm -hmm. struggled to answer a question, several questions actually, on birtherism, and I want to talk to you about that. Can you articulate why you think it's wrong that Donald Trump pushed a false and racist conspiracy theory about Barack Obama? Yeah, I didn't have trouble answering that. I said it was false and that it was a racist thing to say. So I mean, uh, they the, were kind of going back and forth in that New Yorker interview uh, over the phone, and some of it I couldn't understand exactly what he was trying to get at. And the first, very first time he asked me about it, I said it was ridiculous, it was wrong. Uh, but that I'd never made the point I'd never talked to the president about that because that was long, long before the time that I had uh, ever been around him. So that's the point that I was making is I just never discussed that with him to get any feedback from him on you know, what he was doing there. Gotcha. So you believe it was it was false, racist. You called it ridiculous and wrong. So why yeah, did you work for Donald Trump? Well, you know, I wrestled with that uh, before coming on the campaign. The first chapter of my book is called A Slow Climb Aboard the Trump Train. Uh, I'm, I'm a conservative, support, support a lot. Well, we lost our feed. So what did we learn from that? <laughs> we uh, And we'll, we'll play some more of that on the backside. Um, Cliff Sims just basically called Donald Trump uh, a racist, right? He said the birther thing, the whole, I want to see Barack Obama's birth certificate, which really, I mean... As absurd as that is to want to make sure that the president of the United States is born in America, uh, that was racist. There's a lot of hypocrisies in, in this entire thing. The, the most blatant one would be uh, condemning people like Kellyanne Conway and others uh, for leaking, allegedly leaking to the media, uh, and condemning them in a book that is strictly based on leaks. Also, the hypocrisy of what you just heard, uh, Cliff Sims saying he didn't think uh, uh, Trump was a racist, but um, he just does racist things, like wonder if Obama's actually from America, if he was born in America. Which, hey, I mean, if you've got questions about... Uh, here's the thing. You should not be called a racist for asking questions. I don't necessarily have an opinion one way or another whether Barack Obama is, 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 was born in the United States or not. Because I don't care. I don't care at this point. He's gone. Thank God he is gone. And he's not going to come back. There's nothing we can do to change the things that... He did while he was in office. I mean, if you found out he wasn't born in America, all you could do was erase him from the, the history books, which the left would never allow that to happen. So it uh, it doesn't really matter. The only, the only people that that matters to is the media because they want to continue to use that against one Donald Trump. Um, but Cliff blatantly there telling, uh, telling Holly Jackson on MSNBC that... It was totally racist. And that, um, <laughs> that you didn't think Donald Trump was a racist, but uh, the, the, that whole thing was uh, racist on his part. Okay. Cliff is, um, is he's really, now keep in mind, I had a, a, what's the term I'm looking for? Predisposition? Is that the right word? 
when I knew he had a book coming out. I said, this probably won't be good. Just the aura of the whole thing, the, an ex-staffer that kind of didn't necessarily leave on good terms. From what we understand, it was a situation where he kind of, uh, you know, got in trouble, and then they tried to find another spot for him. It never really happened. Um, but then you come out with a book after that. You already know it's bad. Then you start to hear about the media outlets that are getting excerpts from this thing, and it's all the the New York Times and the Washington Post and all these people, and you just know it's not going to be good. And now that it's here, people are getting their hands on it, and he's doing the media rounds. It's uh, it's very obvious what's going on here. I got my man Jeff Poor on the line right now. Very excited that I was responsible enough to contact Jeff and get him on the show today. Yay me. Somebody pat me on the back. Jeff, how are you, buddy? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Big radio star Jeff Poor. Uh, how you been, man? It's been uh, it's been a couple weeks since we talked to you. Is that right? Or did we talk to you last yeah. week? I believe we got we got we got a few minutes in last week. Okay. Uh, yeah. All my days smashed together. Um, the big news, as you know, now uh, let me go ahead and set this up. And I kind of told you this in a text. Uh, Cliff Sims is is currently on MSNBC with Holly Jackson, and they're just doing the same thing every other media outlets are doing with him. They're, they're they're talking about the book, and and we only listened to the first two or three minutes of it. Um, but one of the things that she was bringing up was the birther thing, and how. There was a, I guess, a New Yorker article, and I haven't read this, but this is what they were bringing up, that uh, he was interviewed for a New Yorker article, and uh, there there were questions on whether or not he was against the, the, the birther thing that Donald Trump did before he was running for president and all this other stuff, and um, he, he said, no, 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 I, I was completely against that, I never talked to the president about that, but it was certainly racist i don't think the president's a racist but that was that was definitely a racist thing to do which you know that kind of goes hand in hand but whatever uh so we're watching these things one right after another as he makes all these uh media appearances just curious as you as uh, probably the most objective guy uh that i know uh especially in 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 the media realm what uh what's your assessment of of this whole thing I mean, early going, we talked about this last week with when you sell a book, you got really two plays there. When you sell a nonfiction book, you could either do it as like the conservative authors like the Ann Coulters and the Malkins and, and, and these, these Mark Levins who sell just boatloads of books, right? Or you could do it the way Cliff seems to be doing it. And that's like Bob Woodward, Michael, Michael Wolf, write a salacious account or, or at least portray it as a salacious account. And that gets people to buy the book that that way too. Maybe he's trying to do both. He did leak now. He did has leak. He has he did leak in early going three excerpts to Breitbart, and they wound up on Drudge, and they did real well. But I yeah, I, I, it seems to me his play right now at least is to get get on the Morning Joes and get on CBS this morning and get on the the mainstream kind of uh, northeastern elite you know hangouts and pedal the book that way so to me that's that, that seems to be where he's going with it and some of the stuff he's saying maybe that's that's geared toward that audience well it, i mean that's that's another thing is is just assessing who he's who, going on with who who what what shows he's appearing on 
um, they're all pinned as the 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 shows that look to destroy Trump in every episode each day. Then there's nothing ever a nice or positive said about Trump in any of these shows. You're you're not seeing him on uh, America's Newsroom or Fox and Friends or Tucker Carlson. Uh, do you think that's going to happen, or is he going to be in the business of avoiding those shows altogether? Well, it might not be his choice. Now, Fox is really funny about who they'll have on, and he may not be. He, it may be just that he's just not getting invited on Fox News for whatever reason. The way these publishers work, and the, there's a lot of weird backroom drama. So the reason you haven't seen him on Fox, I, I suspect it has less to do with him and where he wants to go. And more about what Fox wants to make part of their narrative, and they don't want to help this guy sell any books. You know, that's really tough to sell books. Unless you're Bill O'Reilly, if you're in that conservative sphere and you're not on Fox News, it's it's hard to sell it's hard to sell books to conservatives. Yeah, that's uh that's very true. But if you are that uh household name conservative uh, there's not much you got to do, and you'll shoot to the top of the top of the charts. There's there's no doubt. But you and I both have to admit that we all we we both know that everyone, at least on this side of the aisle, wants to see Cliff go on Tucker Carlson. Am I right? I think so. I don't know what Cliff and Tucker would talk about. I can't yeah. imagine Tucker's going to read this book. But uh, yeah. That, that, because then, then, then if, if we're really being honest about it, Tucker talks to the people at the White House. Tucker could find out what the people in the White House take issue with and perhaps question Cliff about it. I doubt that the Haley Jacksons and the Joe and Mika's, they may have Jared Kushner or whoever giving them the inside scoop, but I don't think they're really as plugged into the whole movement as a Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity or someone like that. What about the book itself? Uh, have uh, have you consumed any of this book? And if you have, what's your thoughts on it? I'm about three chapters in. I know Cliff pretty well. Uh, I think it's about what I expected. I, I know Cliff's writing too. So it's, it's to me, it just, it brings back old memories of 2013 when I used to work for him. Uh, sort of his style. I, I don't know that it's so far, uh, and, and you're, you're probably much farther along than I am, that it's a negative book about Trump. But it is – it does seem to – it is curious that he, 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 he tries to portray himself as a quote-unquote viper, but at least in the early going, he's not really – he doesn't seem to me that he's really doing that so far. Well, no, I'm – and you say I'm, I'm, I'm probably farther along than you are. I'm, I'm not. I think I'm maybe – creeping up on chapter four uh and i do the audio book because i'm lazy um but uh, when uh, with with at the point that i'm at uh, there there hasn't been you're right there hasn't been much trashing of trump he's he's portrayed trump as the type of person that we all know him to be and he's even quoted trump as saying things that any of us could easily vision in our head him saying but he has spent a, a bit of time trashing other people and also a good bit of time building himself up which for me personally is no surprise because it is the the cliff that i i know or that i knew before he left for the white house but 
is as I go through this thing, and, and it's probably not smart for me to form an opinion on the book before I even get through it, but that's just what I do in this business. I have an issue with the book in general just because here's a guy who had the opportunity of a lifetime to go work for the Trump administration, and he talks in the early chapters of this book about how uh, breathtaking it was to, to literally be in front of all that history, being there at the White House. Uh, the opportunity of a lifetime only to to exit the White House and then pull this stunt on the backside, writing this book and telling all the secrets, and now getting on the bad side of the Trump administration and literally uh, getting ready to be sued. When he was on Howard Jackson just a few minutes ago, he said, uh, she asked him about that. She's like, are you prepared? You know, we're getting reports that the, the Trump administration and the Trump team is getting ready to sue you. And he's like, well, you know, I've got attorneys. Uh, we haven't seen anything. We don't know what's going to happen, but uh, we're just going to go with it. And I'm like, he just, he sounds a little nervous about that. It just, but that's what rubbed you, me the wrong way, you know? But do you think the Trump administration is really going to sue Cliff Sims? And, and do you think, okay, how would you, how would this lawsuit come up? First of all, the reason I don't think they're going to do it is because they didn't sue Omarosa. If they were going to sue somebody, it was going to be her because her book's far more outrageous. But the second part of that is there's a whole question about non-disclosure agreements when you're a public official and your 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 salary is paid by the taxpayer. I mean, there's obviously you want non-disclosure when it comes to matters of national security. You don't want if Cliff had any kind of access to the nuclear codes or whatever that might be. You wouldn't want him putting that in a book. But on the other hand, you don't. It's it's hard for me to see how this will this will play out in the courtroom. If they went after Cliff for talk for tattletelling on Kellyanne Conway or, or, or Sarah Huckabee Sanders, that and, and I just they may threaten him with a lawsuit. They may send him cease and desist letters, and, and they may be strongly worded. But in the, in the reality of it, Cliff's going to have, I, I would imagine, with his publisher, some decent lawyers defending him. And I, I, if they didn't sue Omarosa, there's no reason to think that they're going to sue Cliff Sims. Well, and let me just give my assessment real quick on that whole thing. They they did go after Stormy Daniels, but I think that was a that that was kind of a different situation because you had two people, Daniels and and Avenatti, that were out to destroy the president on on many fronts, and they were everything that was popping up that was negative towards the president. They were latching themselves onto my uh, Michael Cohen or uh, whatever, and uh, so that was a little more of a a dire situation i guess but this at the same time do you don't think that they'll go forward with it just to to prove a point to maybe current or future staffers well i still maintain they didn't do it with amorosa that would have been the time to do it but Omarosa was bat, you know what, crazy, and 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 even the media was standoffish with her as far as say, as far I as just, completely embracing her. I don't know that they're going to be able to pull it off. What's to stop somebody from doing it when Trump's out of office? It is kind of more about it's a part of history. It, it, it's it, it, they may try it. Don't get me wrong, and they may want to just make it a hassle for whoever was in this administration, so this doesn't get out. But. And, and I, I imagine they want to, but if I'm a, if I'm just looking at this, and I'm not a lawyer, but I don't know how do you how do you pull that off? 
how, how do you say to a, 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 a court or to a judge that, well, even though these people are being paid by the taxpayer, it's none of the public's business what's going on. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of conflicts. And I, I think that's why these books are going to be a thing because these non-disclosure agreements, I think, are, 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 are thin. And, and, and a lot of times when you sign a non-disclosure agreement, you, it, it would be a violation to, to violate that non-disclosure while you're under contract. Well, is Cliff under contract anymore? Does he have any more obligation to the to the to, to Trump? And, and that's there's a lot of there's a lot of things I think maybe they could go after him while he was in in the campaign for for telling some of the scoops. I mean, I I, I know that Trump made his made his uh, people the staffer side NDAs or they were working on his campaign. Maybe there's something there. There's some kind of damage damages they could recover, but I, I don't know. It just seems like it's just going to be a lot of hassle and. What do we know about what do we know about judges and the federal judges and Donald Trump? They, they, they tend not to be very sympathetic to him. Right. And I, I think it, it would be a very it's going to be a very tough court case to uh, to for, for them to pursue. That, that's just my my thinking on it. I think it's a lot of talk right now to, 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 to try to scare him off. But the, that, that, that toothpaste is out of the tube. So what, what, what's it going to do other than ruin Cliff Sims? Do you you know who's who's not gonna who's who's not gonna take a seven figure book deal to uh, and roll the dice with it? I, well, I, I I wonder you know. I mean I'm gonna be honest. Uh, uh, just listening to the way Cliff Sims talks about himself, if anybody can put toothpaste back in a tube, but I mean this literally, it's him. He uh, he thinks very highly of himself. But no, here seriously, I think you and I both can admit that this all started when Nick Saban signed that football that was allegedly for KIV. So none of this would have happened if it weren't for Nick Saban. And I think he should accept full responsibility. <laughs> that might be a tough sell, but uh, yeah. Well, Cliff was uh, gotten sideways a lot of people in the White House before that, but uh, that might have been. That story got leaked out. I think it's kind of the, 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 the kind of kicking your way all out the door uh, Thing because he, he had made so many enemies in the White House. Yeah, that's not what you want to do. All right, I know you're a busy man, Jeff. Let me ask you this real quick before I let you go. Um, the dispute between Donald Trump and the intelligence agency on a number of fronts, particularly Iran, North Korea, uh, Russia, what are you seeing with that, which is one of the big headlines of today? If you're a if you're a Trump supporter, you gotta I would think feel good about it. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a pushback against the deep state. Uh, I, 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 I you really don't know with these reports, so that's that 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 to me, yeah, you, you take it with a grain of salt because you know who, who's who's benefiting from this and and why is it out there? So, but there's a number of ways you can interpret it, and I I, I think one of them might be be positive. Mm. I like it. All right, uh, when when do uh, when do I get to come up to WVNN to be on your brand new radio show? Yeah, to drive up. Uh, the studio is actually in Athens, right off of uh, seventy two there on sixty five or sixty five on seventy two. But uh, you gotta you gotta make your way up and come in studio and see the. <laughs> It's, it's it's a it's a far cry from probably what you're used to. <laughs> so I'm gonna bring you down here to this studio, and then you're gonna feel better <laughs> about it. Um, well, you can, you can see the seat where uh, where Sean or 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 the spaces where Sean Hannity uh, 
began his radio career. Is the same chair there? Like, can you see Sean Hannity's butt imprint on the chair? No, the chairs are different, and, and the, the the layout of the studio is totally different. But it's still the same building, and you can see like it's it's just laid out differently. But it's the same studio that mm. he started in. So, what is the Uber market like up in Athens? Because I'll need to pay for my gas money up there somehow. Uh it's probably a little bit better in Huntsville if you want to make about a 15, 20 minute ride all over to the, to the East. It may be worth it. We'll see. I'll see what happens. Jeff, I appreciate it, buddy. Y'all make sure if, uh, if you're out and about or you're even sitting at home, uh, and especially if you're in North Alabama, 92.5 WVNN, Jeff pours on from two to five every afternoon. And if you're not in that area, pull it up online, just go listen to WVNN live, uh, uh, type it up on Google. That's what I do every day when I go and listen to it. So check him out there. He's obviously on Breitbart, Yellowhammer News, all those places. So hook it up. Jeff, we always appreciate you, buddy, and I'll be talking to you soon, man. Thanks again, Andrew. There you go. My man Jeff Poor in the house giving us an assessment. Uh, he's he's in the same boat that I am in, in reading or I'm listening to, and I guess he's reading Cliff's book and trying to assess the whole thing. I, I really hate... Then I missed the rest of that interview with Holly Jackson. If they if it gets posted within the next 30, 45 minutes, I'll play it for you guys. Uh, because I feel like there was some good stuff in there. But uh, I was broadcasting that on my tablet, and my tablet died. I didn't charge it last night. So, there's that. All right, we got plenty of stuff to talk about. We'll be getting to it. I'm going to play a little bit of catch-up. We'll take a, uh, a short very short quick break and we'll come back on the other side and we will keep rolling with this january 30th edition of over the line over the line show.com working on putting a merch store together this week so keep an eye out for that make sure you check your emails for when we send out that email blast when that thing's up and ready to go if you haven't signed up for the newsletter go to the website over the line show.com and uh, scroll to the bottom. Sign up for the newsletter. We don't bombard you with emails or anything like that. It's just a way for you to keep up with the uh, show when we do need to send you an email. Also, all of our social media is on there. We post these videos, the audio of the show, and all that jazz. So, check it out. Overthelineshow.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere, cuz.
먹방 김정스타 김정스타 K-pop Kim Jong style. Kim Jong style. Walk, 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 walk. Walking Kim Jong style. Let's chill for a while. Back to work. Dancing single file. Make sure and smile. Throw them on the pile. Without trial. Kim Jong style. show.com We've got some uh, Japanese metal going on. Make sure you guys go and uh, follow us on Over the Line on Facebook at Adrian Who on Twitter and uh, all that jazz. Also, we post on the regular several links on where you can find uh, find the show. And there may be a way, I'm not 
completely positive about this, but if you go to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app, just A-N-C-H-O-R, there may be a way for you to find all the different platforms that we are available on to make it easy so you don't have to download a bunch of apps to your phone and you can just use your favorite. We have, uh, just looking here, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, an app called Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and uh, soon we'll be on some others like Stitcher, Podbean, <laughs> I don't know about Podbean, uh, and TuneIn Radio. We're actually waiting on the TuneIn Radio because I, I know a lot of people use that app because there's uh, the availability to listen to stations from all over the country with that app. I know in particular, I use that app to listen to 99.5 here in Birmingham, and uh, it works pretty well. Because sometimes you just won't listen to the radio while you're sitting in the house and, you know. We don't have radios in our house like we did back in the uh, the 70s and 80s. Well, I guess even the 90s. We had a radio in my house when we were growing up. Here's what we used to do. Here's what my dad used to do. We would watch the Tennessee games on TV, but we would listen. And we would do the same thing with Alabama games. We would we would turn the TV on, turn the, turn the game on the TV, and then mute the TV and then turn on the radio broadcast of the game. Now you don't have to do that because if you are doing any sort of short streaming on ESPN, they actually give you the option to watch the game with the radio call for either team on uh, on most games. But we used to watch that way, which kind of aggravated me because the radio was always ahead of the TV. So you would hear what's going to happen before you actually saw it. And it just kind of kind of messes with you. We should just do a whole show about nostalgic things like that. Like what's what's your favorite thing? Uh, what's your favorite thing that happened to you as a kid? Anyway, anyway, uh, thank y'all for hanging out yet again. Thank you guys that are watching the show live. My man Opie in the house. He, uh, I didn't think he liked me anymore. He never shows up for these things. So glad he's here. Um, let me do this. And my main device here, this guy. I knocked my microphone over. This guy right here, which is my, my my tablet, which is what I use for everything show-related. I've got a laptop, obviously, but uh, I rarely use it for anything other than radio necessities. My tablet's currently dead, so I can't really uh, access any show prep that I happen to have. Well, I didn't do any today, but that I might have left over from yesterday. And I also don't want to spend this entire show talking about Cliff Sims and his book because I hate for him to uh, to get more publicity than he needs. Although, and people have advised me not to not to bring him on the show, not to give him the spotlight. This is a fairly small operation. So the fact that he's on the Cold Bear show and he's on MSNBC and, and all these other shows, I feel like, you know, coming on this show is a drop in the bucket. So we anticipate attempting to get Cliff Sims on this show. We've already 
talk to people that are going to ask him to do so, and we're going to see. When he comes on here, you know, we'll be straight up with him. And we'll be cool, calm, and collected, and we'll say, hey, tell us your motivations behind the book, and then uh, we'll probably, and I guess I don't need to let all my secrets out in case word gets back to him, we're just going to ask him straight up why he put falsehoods in this book. Because especially when referring to stuff on the local level, I'm being told by sources that are very close to that situation and know exactly what happened that what he says in the book is is not true. That he's uh, either exaggerating or outright lying about it. And that happens. I, I guess, you know, you write a book, you... You gotta be bombastic, and you gotta you gotta pump it up. I mean, even in the radio realm, we don't outright lie about stuff, but we do bolster our stories. I mean, when we're talking about, I, I'm I'm pretty dramatic in the first place, especially when talking about something that's happened to me. But in radio, we take those stories, those personal stories or whatever, and, and we we pump them up. We make them larger than life. That's just what we do. That's that's it's what any good radio show host does. Doesn't mean you just make up the story. You lie about it. You tell the story, but you maybe add some details to make it sound better. You know. That obviously is the case in the book world too. But outright lying about certain situations that happen, and lying about it, knowing the people that were there for that certain instance or that, uh, that that moment in time or that have direct knowledge of that 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 incident what do you think's going to happen when people start reading your book cuz that's what you want that's why you're spending all this time on TV you're spending all this time on TV because you want people to buy the book you want them to read it it's just amazing to me I also have other sources that tell me uh, that Cliff Sims has aspirations of running for office in the state of Alabama. Now, for those of you outside the state of Alabama, I realize you don't know the inner workings, or you probably are just now finding out who Cliff Sims is, uh, but he's got aspirations to, to do that. And those aspirations may have changed now that he's decided to go the route of, of writing a book. Me, what little I do know about Cliff, I don't think those aspirations have died off yet. Cliff is, um, Cliff is a driven individual. He's a go-getter. I believe he's a, a Christian, and I would never question his faith. Uh, but I do question his actions. I do criticize his actions. He's a go-getter that has had the worst parts of his his character and his personality exemplified by going to Washington, D.C., when he was in Birmingham, it wasn't that big of a deal because um, as far as being on the radio or writing for a, a news outlet that he owned at the time, you never really got to fully experience the personality. 
The only personality you got to experience is the one that he portrayed on the airwaves. And for the most part, I think for your average listener, it would have been hard to pick up on the true personality because of that. Because you, as a radio show host, you've got control of, of what personality you throw out there for the people. But knowing him on a personal level, and, and again, my, my experiences with him are far less than a lot of other people. The things that have been exemplified with his time in D.C., I, I think a lot of us could have already seen those when he was just Cliff Sims from Yellowhammer. So a lot of us aren't surprised. But again, we're not going to spend two weeks talking about this. Hopefully we will get him on the show one day and be able to ask him some questions about this. I will uh, obviously update you guys as I, I, I make my way through the book. I'll be listening to more of it today. And uh, I know a lot of you guys don't want to do it yourself. So I'm trying to, to do the dirty work for you. It's the same reason I watch MSNBC and CNN all the time. Um, I do that for you guys. To make sure you guys know exactly what is um, what is going on. So another thing, and you heard me ask Jeff Poor about this. Uh, Donald Trump is obviously going toe to toe with his intelligence agency, uh, where they're saying, um, I, "I tell you what, let me do this. Let me go." Uh, Donald Trump has been tweeting all morning, and and here's what's amazing: if you look at the timeline of his tweets, uh, the last tweet from last night was. Uh, 12 hours ago, which would have been 10 o'clock our time, uh, 11 o'clock in D.C., okay? So Donald Trump is up uh, at 11 o'clock, okay? 11 o'clock tweeting, and then five hours later, which would be, what, 4 a.m. his time? He is tweeting yet again, this man and it's it's not about the tweets. It's about the fact that he does not stop. He's he's the hardest working man I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, he is the he is from a generation, as you guys know, that worked hard. Except he was from a different realm of working hard. This is the uh, the mogul you know, businessman, whatever, working hard, where we view it in the South as being out plowing fields and, and uh, working in steel mills 12 hours a day and whatever else. This guy's got that same drive. He just does it in a, in a different capacity, and he's still doing it. He's topped 70 years old, and he's still doing it. So anyway, um, after last night, this and once he started this morning, about 4 a.m., he started tweeting. He started with Venezuela, and he says, Maduro willing to negotiate with opposition in Venezuela following U.S. sanctions and the cutting off of oil revenues. Guaido is being targeted by Venezuelan Supreme Court. Massive protest expected today. Americans should not travel to Venezuela until further notice. Uh, then he moves on to ISIS and says, when I became president, ISIS was out of control in Syria and running rampant. Since then, tremendous progress made, especially over the last five weeks. The caliphate will soon be destroyed. 
unthinkable two years ago. Negotiating are proceeding. Negotiate. I think he means negotiations. Negotiations are proceeding well in Afghanistan after 18 years of fighting. Fighting continues, but the people of Afghanistan want peace in this never-ending war. We will soon see if talks will be successful. North Korea's relationship is the best it's been with the U.S. No testing. No, uh, no testing. We're getting the remains of our soldiers, hostages being returned. Decent chance of denuclearization. Time will tell. Time will tell what will happen with North Korea. But at the end of the previous administrations, relationships, uh, relationships were hor- horrendous and very bad things were about to happen. Now a whole different story. I look forward to seeing Kim Jong-un shortly. Progress being made. Big difference. Now, we're getting reports that that Kim Jong-un summit, the newest one, is possibly going to be in Vietnam. I don't remember the date that they said, but uh, I've seen reports on that, even though the White House hasn't released the location yet. Uh, Vietnam seems to be where that's going to be. Also, uh, four hours ago, he tweeted, if the Committee of Republicans and Democrats now meeting on border security is not discussing, n- not discussing or contemplating a wall or a physical barrier, they are wasting their time. So, so the, the, the Republicans and Democrats are meeting now trying to find some middle ground so the, the government doesn't shut down in, in less than, um, where are we at, uh, two weeks so the government doesn't shut down in two weeks. They're meeting and trying to come to a, a middle ground, a compromise. And Donald Trump sends out a tweet during that meeting and saying, hey, if they're not, they're still saying no wall, just walk out. No big deal. Uh, what else has he got? Okay, now here's what I'm trying to get to. This is where he moves to the intelligence agency. He says the intelligence people seem to be extremely passive and naive when it comes to the dangers of Iran. They are wrong. When I became president, Iran was making trouble all over the Middle East and beyond. Since ending that terrible Iran nuclear deal, they are much different, but a source of potential danger and conflict. They are testing rockets just last week and more and are coming very close to the edge. Their economy is now crashing, which is the only thing holding them back. Be careful of Iran. Perhaps intelligence should go back to school. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so here's the deal. Now, obviously, the media loses their minds, and, and Trump knows this, and it's probably one of the motivating factors why he sent this tweet out. The intelligence agency, much like the Justice Department and the FBI, have shown themselves over the past two and three years to have some very deeply corrupt elements. Whether that is certain individuals, whether the corruption has just embedded itself into the Uh, the intelligence agency and the Justice Department, whatever the case is, it's proven, it's material evidence, it's fact that there have been some corrupt things over the past two and three years going on in, in both of these agencies. 
So when people lose their mind talking about how unprecedented it is that Donald Trump is attacking the intelligence agency, you got to look at the circumstances. Donald Trump is the guy that is coming there to do the right thing. And when he gets pushed back, it would be so much easier for him just to take their word on it, say these are the guys, I know what they're doing, I'm going to let them, let them tell me what to do, and we're going to let it go. We're going to do, do what they say. But he's not. He's saying this is not, this is not right. The last thing Donald Trump wants to do is leave office with a failed presidency or the type of pres- presidency as far as international issues go and international wars go like George Bush did, George W. Bush. He does not want to leave that kind of legacy. Whether people hate him or whatever the case is or the media paints paints him as the worst president ever, he does not want to leave office with a diplomatic record or a foreign policy record like George W. Bush did. He doesn't want to leave office with our brave men and women locked into an overseas conflict that has no end in sight. He doesn't want that. He's made that clear. He's made that clear for years, well before he was running for president. It's not what he wants. He's tired of, of, of us being in other people's countries. He doesn't, he doesn't want to fix other people's countries. He wants other countries to fix themselves And if there's something that can benefit us and their country, he's more than happy to do it. But he doesn't want a hands-on approach of us fixing somebody's country. We ain't got no business doing it because we got plenty of stuff over here we can do for ourselves. That's the way he views the world. And the only time he wants to be in another country, occupying another country, for a limited time, as limited as possible, is when they pose a threat to this great nation. The two things he's worried about is economy and national security. That is the two only things on a policy basis that Donald Trump worries about. And sometimes on the national security end of it, it causes us to have to to send people over and fight which is what our men and women sign up for, to defend this country. Don't want to do it, but if it's necessary, he's going to do it. So when the intelligence agency comes back and tells Donald Trump that uh, there's no need for us to get involved over here, and Donald Trump says, no, 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 we got to continue to bring the hammer down on these guys, you know he's serious. I I no longer trust the intelligence agency. I no longer trust the FBI. Neither of those have done anything to change my mind since they first lost my trust. I look at the FBI. Even if I wanted to to, to, uh, re-obtain my trust for the FBI, that was blown out of the water when I saw 40 SWAT members go to old man Roger Stone's house at 6 o'clock in the morning. A guy who doesn't have a passport or a gun and do everything but kick his door in. Guns a-blazing. And CNN politely 
sitting across the street, ironically, because they had a hunch. In that situation, the FBI is obviously being weaponized again. And I believe the intelligence agency is being weaponized again. I don't know why I should be forced to trust these people. This may have been going on for a long time. And there's been a lot of speculation from a lot of people. You can call them conspiracy theorists or whatever. Who have said for a long time, the FBI, the intelligence agency, the government in general, has been weaponized to oppress and be overbearing on the American people. And if that has been going on all this time, this is the first time we are seeing it in action. When you have what you had at Roger Stone's house happen, you have yourself an overbearing government. I can guarantee, all but guarantee you, that those FBI agents that raided Roger Stone's house did not want to do that. Not in that fashion. Because they knew it was wrong. They knew it was unnecessary. Even Roger Stone himself, who said this is an absolute absurd abuse of power for the FBI to come in there like that. He said, but the FBI agents themselves, they couldn't have been nicer. They were just doing their jobs. They were just doing what they were told. Special counsel signs the, the, the arrest warrant, sends it on, tells them, hey, make sure you got 30 or 40 FBI agents with, uh, with AR-15s showing up at Roger Stone's house because you never know what's going to happen. And the mainstream media is like, well, they had to make sure that he didn't destroy the evidence. He didn't destroy any documents that would pertain to the special counsel. The guy's known that this was coming. His arrest was pending for months now. He's been talking about it on every outlet. He's been talking about it on InfoWars. He does interviews with Alex Jones all the time. He's been talking about he's going to be arrested for months. He knew it was coming. And if there was evidence to be destroyed, it would have been destroyed. There's no need. And the FBI knew that. The Mueller team knew that he knew. But it had to be a big show. It had to be a big show. It had to look bad. It had to be broadcast live on TV. On CNN, of course. By the way, do you know that CNN, uh, one of the producers for, uh, I, I guess, that... Um, and that, that portion of the company is a former advisor, a former assistant of one former FBI director, James Comey. The producer at CNN, they gave the green light on this stuff. To, to, to have this guy with his hunch show up at Roger Stone's house is a former assistant to James Comey. It's also obvious. This stuff is being weaponized. Day after day after day after day. It's being weaponized. And as far as I'm concerned, Donald Trump has no reason whatsoever to trust these people. He hasn't trusted them so far. 
And as far as I'm concerned, no reason to start trusting them now. Might as well hang it up, cuzzy. Over the line show, over the line show.com. Tell your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brother, and all the rest of your family about this show because they need it in their life. They need to know the stuff and the things that I talk about on this show. All the things. Also, if you want to contribute to this show, there's a way to do so. Uh, as you listen to this show on your favorite podcast platform, there should be a, a link in the description. It says, become a supporter of this show. You can click that and gives you some options there if you want to uh, uh, be a uh, contributor to Over the Line. So check it out. You can also find that on OverTheLineShow.com with the audio link that is there where you can listen to the latest episode. You can click that and go to Anchor, I do believe, and it's all right there. That's where it's based out of. All right, quick break. Coming back on the other side to wrap up this edition of Over the Line. Y'all hang up. Be a cry bully, come BBC. Oh, don't need to do it. Why are you doing this? 
safety. Come join us in our safe spaces, our shelters from points of view. And maybe on rare occasions, we'll let you think something new. But if we deem your thoughts toxic, we might have to shut you down. And if you critique our logic, better use our preferred pronouns. Come be PC. Come be PC. Our low-key racism is heroism, obviously. Let's all fight for the little guy From our parents' mansions online Come join our prison, look what you're missing Come be PC Come be PC We're a collective, varied perspectives must go unseen Different opinions are okay As long as they're different in the same way Come join our cult, it's not difficult Oh, come be PC Show.com, Andrew McLean. About to get up out of here. Thank y'all for hanging out today. I certainly do appreciate it. Uh, I, I do want to mention this story, and I haven't, I haven't really followed it. Maybe you guys have. But it's about this this actor, Juicy Smollett. Smollett. How do you pronounce that? Juicy. Juicy. <laughs> Juicy. Uh, anyway, it, it's something about a hate crime being committed uh, against this this actor. I guess it's a gay gay African American actor from the show Empire. Um, I don't uh, I don't know anything about the show Empire. Maybe you guys watch it. I'm familiar with it in the sense of I've seen it advertised or whatever, but I don't, uh, I've I've never actually watched the show. I just know it's about like, I think it's about like a record label or something. Anyway, so again, I haven't really followed the story, but apparently, uh, this is a, a, apparently a, allegations from this guy of a, of an alleged hate crime attack uh, targeting him, and the media 
media is reporting that the attackers made racial and anti-gay comments while using Donald Trump's MAGA slogan during a, a, a 2 a.m. assault in downtown Chicago. Um, it's hard for me to fathom that, uh, you know, anybody would want to put themselves in a position because everybody's such an idiot these days uh, where they're in, in Chicago, of all places, at 2 a.m., uh, chanting, make America great again, but whatever. But now... Apparently, you've got conflicting versions of, of this incident from this juicy Smollett himself. And I know I'm probably slaughtering this guy's name. Uh, and there's details reported by the media that are being outright contradicted by the Chicago police. And so now everybody's like, well, what actually happened? Now, I was reading that Deborah Henney from PJ Media... She wrote that police had found surveillance video of this guy, but had not been able to find the video of the alleged assailants. Now, the original story was broadcasted by TMZ, and here's what they said. Empire star Juicy Smollett was brutally attacked by two men who beat him up, put his head in a noose, okay, you, did you hear that? Put his head in a noose and screamed, this is MAGA country. Again, this is in downtown Chicago. Sources that are directly connected to Juicy tell TMZ the actor arrived in Chicago from New York late Monday. And at around 2 a.m., he was hungry and went to a subway. We're told when shortly after he walked out on his way home, someone yelled, Aren't you that uh, F-word, gay slur F-word, empire N-word? So aren't you that F-empire N? The two men, both white and wearing ski masks. They viciously attacked Juicy as he fought back, but they beat him badly and fractured a rib. They put a rope around his neck poured bleach on him, and as they left, they yelled, this is MAGA country. Juicy took himself to Northwestern Memorial, where he was treated. He was discharged later Tuesday morning. Now, the TMZ article, uh, it now features a FaceTime screenshot of this guy in the hospital, taken by the creator of the show Empire, Lee Fields, uh, that uh, Fields had initially posted online, but then he removed it. Mm-hmm. Chicago police issued this initial statement. They said, Overnight, the Chicago Police Department received a report of a possible racially charged assault and battery involving a cast member of the television show Empire. Given the severity of the allegations, we are taking this investigation very seriously and treating it as a possible hate crime. Detectives are currently working to gather video, identify potential witnesses, and establish an investigation timeline. The victim is fully cooperating with investigators, and uh, we ask anyone with information about this incident to contact area central detectives or report at blah, 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 dot com. 
So the Chicago police issue subsequent statements denying TMZ's claim that this guy reported the suspects as yelling, uh, yelling that this is MAGA country. So police were like, hey, nobody told us about the MAGA thing. Then Chicago police later said that Smollett did reveal the detail in a second interview taken after the TMZ story, the, the TMZ story was spread. So he didn't initially tell them that they were screaming, this is MAGA country, as they left, uh, but he did after TMZ reported it. So the Daily Beast later reports that a Chicago police spokesperson refuted TMZ's claim of the defendants being male and white. The spokesperson stated the the gender and the race of the alleged assailants were unknown to Smollett because they were wearing ski masks and gloves. Forgot that part, didn't you? Then, other odd details begin to emerge, further clouding the situation. Chicago police stated that they have yet to find any video evidence of the attackers or their vehicle. Then a police spokesman said that when officers first arrived on the scene nearly 45 minutes after the attack, Smollett was still wearing the rope around his neck. 45 minutes after the attack. Smollett also asked the officers to turn off their body cameras when they entered the residence, which is a high-end apartment reportedly owned by his friend. Can you imagine police come to investigate a possible violent, brutal hate crime, and you're like, can y'all, while we do this, can you turn off those body cameras? Would that be okay? This story is a big old steaming pile of dog dookie. Yet another hoax hate crime. And, and you guys that have followed me on the radio, you know every time one of these would happen, we would report it. And it was time after time after time to the point that I got when a story like this came out, when the initial report came out and there was no evidence that it was a hoax, I'd go ahead and call it a hoax. Because according to the stats and according to history, according to the history of the past two and three years, every single one of them are a hoax. (laughs) Almost every single one. I was also watching a documentary uh, uh, two nights ago about black conservatives, black Trump supporters, and they were confronted with uh, African Americans that hated Trump, that were anti-Trump, resistors, if you will. And they were making the points that Donald Trump's obviously a racist, and that can be proven by the uh, the rise in hate crimes that are at its highest level in history. They say the hate crimes are, are on the rise and are higher than they've ever been. And that person truly believes that. The problem is that person sees the hate crimes reported but never goes back for the follow-up. The article that's buried somewhere close to the classifieds in the newspaper that says, oh, by the way, that turned out to be a hoax. So it's not hate crimes that are at an all-time high. It's hate crime hoaxes 
that are at an all-time high. We'll discuss that uh, more on the next episode if anything changes on that front. Also, plenty of other things. The news cycle never stops. You know there'll be something fresh and new to talk about tomorrow as we wrap up our week here on Over the Line. Thank you guys so much for hanging out today. Remember, OverTheLineShow.com. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter at the bottom, and I will love you long time. Also, add us on social media, Over the Line on Facebook, at Andrew McLean, who on Twitter. I'm a real troll on Twitter, so you might want to uh, get on there and follow me. Uh, I like to uh, mock people uh, a lot. It's a... Uh, One of my favorite pastimes. You guys have a fantastic day. Until tomorrow, see you, cuz.